everyone. Welcome to the Noise Creators Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Cannon, and this week we're here with Microwave, a awesome, awesome band out of Georgia. We get into their new album, which is called Much Love, which came out this week and I think is a killer, killer record. And we talk about their creative process, some of their influences that weren't obvious to me and then become very obvious as this podcast goes along. And I think they're awesome. I've seen them live before and they just kill it. Uh, I'm really psyched on this. We also talk about how noise creators help them make this new record, or I should say we help them find a mastering engineer. So we get into a whole lot of stuff. So check this out. Hey, one second before we get started with this interview. Noise Creators is able to do these cool podcasts because we're a service and we're trying to get the word out about our service to people. So if you enjoy this podcast, it's really, really important that you share it to people so more people can get to know what we're doing trying to connect musicians with producers to make better music and make better records for you all to listen to. So please, please, please help us out. If you like this and like what we're doing, share it, tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, tumble it, whatever you like to do, do that. As well, we're going to start doing a really cool thing. If there's a great quote from these podcasts that you really enjoy, put it on a graphic, tweet it, Facebook it, take a picture of it, and send it to us at Noise Creators on every single one of the social networks. And what we're going to do is we're going to share the best ones. And if you're one of the best ones, we're going to send you a list of prizes we have. We have a bunch of cool, rare things from bands that aren't as much of a use to us. We have a couple of extras of rare pressings of vinyl, all sorts of cool stuff. You can choose from a list and we'll send that out to you for free if you share a really cool quote that we like and we use. Thanks so much for helping out and please, please, please help us spread the word on our service. Thanks. So because we have more than one of you, which is very, very rare on this podcast, can you guys say your names so I don't confuse the uh, listeners? Sure. I'm Nate Hardy. I sing and play guitar. I'm Tyler Hill. I play bass. Awesome. So can you tell me like when you guys got together, was like there an idea about what you wanted to do or was it just you guys were hanging around? Like, can you tell me about how the band was originally conceived and thought? Um, me, me and Tito were the first to jam together. He, he, he plays drums and uh, we, we originally wanted to make a band like fair before the March of Flames. That was like huh. what, what we had, like we had, uh, he, he had this space at a storage unit in Woodstock, Georgia, where he, he was practicing with with his his band he was playing with at the time and and i came i moved back to georgia from being out west for three years and uh and i, I had been friends with him in high school and everything and i came back and i was like i really want to do something like fear before the march of flames and then we we started and the first song we wrote was uh the devil and i on, on our first ep which I, which has like a slight sort of might remind you sort of a fear before the march of flames probably not i i <laughs> no, 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 it's funny now that you you say that like i i don't think about that band much anymore because it's been so long since i listened to it. but now that you say that i'm like oh that's where those little things coming from in your sound i hear that that that's awesome that you, that you hear <laughs> that because I, I i always think i'm like well we didn't really sound like fear before the march of flames but uh you know there's like that thing of being heavy with like a more like indie guitar tone, they were kind of the first band to do that in like a hardcore way of that generation of yeah, like really sure. like low notes, but still having like a fender twang on the amp sound. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, as cities burn too, is one of my, oh, my yeah. like all time favorite bands. And, 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 and they were also sort of had that, 
they would uh yeah yeah same, that, same sort of concept they had those that one record is amps with the yeah that that one record is like cited on this podcast all the time it's one of my favorites as well oh yeah i jumped in keep telling me about how the sound evolved um we we wrote that one song and then pretty much by the end of the first ep no matter what you're trying to write you just always what you write is what you write and it, and, and it's kind of like you are what you eat you like listen mm -hmm. to 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 bands and stuff and then when you when you sit down to write music there's just like stuff that comes out and it's just the the uh, product of 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 what 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 you're listening to at the time i guess just like the all, and i mean i don't know we we just jammed and what happened happened i guess <laughs> I, I, I do, though, agree. It's like that thing of like people don't always listen take what they're listening to as like it being a diet. And a lot of that's going to be how healthy or whatever your uh, perspiration is from your music. It's like whatever you're taking in is going to be so much of that. And I think people sometimes are just like, well, I'm just going to listen to it. Or I feel like instead of being like, well, maybe I shouldn't listen to all the shitty local bands that we play with all the time because that's not going to give me the best ideas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it it helps for sure to listen to like a wide variety of different things because yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of bands will get stuck into like a real like pigeonholed sort of a genre because because they all that they listen to is is bands that are in like one realm or whatnot, mm -hmm. and if if you sort of like branch out and listen to Led Zeppelin and <laughs> and. and and uh garth brooks <laughs> and tupac yeah and then, <laughs> nice then you start to get like a weird like i like this one garth brooks song where they have this slide solo and you're like dude we should put a slide solo in a song <laughs> like if you if if you hear stuff and it like sticks out to you and you're like i, I love that and then you you just like want to do it i guess naturally like dude i want to do something that feels kind of like this <laughs> nice yeah and we've had a lot of bands that i mean we, we actually all we don't listen to the same same stuff like mm. even remotely really yeah <laughs> like we, we, all, we all have really different bands that we like yeah i'd say our musical tastes are spread pretty far apart i mean we all like there's a whole bunch of bands that we all like really agree like okay we all love that band but then when like you really want to delve into it the majority of our listening is different for each of us yeah i was gonna say one of my favorite things to ask is is what's the influence on you guys that people would be most shocked by so um wes wesley who plays guitar and and uh sings he he listens to a lot of like garagey punk stuff like uh the the reotards and mm -hmm. ice eagle and stuff and 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 he loves that kind of stuff tyler's really into i mean i guess you're, you're here so here i am <laughs> allow me to speak uh no i love a lot of like singer songwriter stuff like brian adams and butch walker uh i also have a really soft spot for like late 90s r&b like casey and jojo and usher oh wow that's <laughs> that, 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 that's the georgia idea yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah yeah. Tito, Tito is, uh, I mean, when we were in, in high school, we were both really into like hardcore, like bands like Defeater and Trapped Under Ice and Reign Supreme, like like sort of in that range of of stuff. We we like to get in the pit and whatnot. Nice. <laughs> and then and then he, he he was really into like Neurosis and uh, High Lessa kind of stuff too. And I got into that a little bit later. And uh, and and so we love sort of that like southern metal and like mastodon and everything and and then also j just like 
the paper for the Mars or Flames and as cities burn and those bands are probably more more uh, obvious influences I guess on on me with like the songwriting and and like the lyrics and vocal melodies and stuff I guess <laughs> or like or just like the, the the tone of the vocals or something I, I feel like that that kind of bleeds through because I I love as cities burn. Now that you're saying this all, it all makes sense. Like I'm like, all right, I I I understand where your sound comes from. Yeah. So tell me how a song comes into being. There's honestly not one formula or like like specific way that we we, we go about like all all the songs. There like each one sort of has has like a different a different uh process. But for, for the most part, I all like sort of stew over stuff, playing them acoustically for for a long time, and then we'll start to jam them as a band and then over over time we'll just we'll be like ah, maybe this first chorus should be like a shorter half chorus because it feels like it's kind of dragging it or it's too early in the song or something we'll just talk about stuff but uh i mean for as far as like the the initial songs or like mm-hmm. how the, they they be played on an acoustic guitar they all have a uh, i don't know all all sorts of different things that Whimper is, is is one track on the new one, which is my personal favorite. And and the whole concept starting it was that I was trying to use that uh, Jimi Hendrix chord, like from Purple Haze and stuff. So so like the main chord for like the verses and stuff. I was just like, I have to find a way to use this chord in a microwave song. Nice. And, and I mean, that's just one example. I don't know. There, there's like each song has sort of different ideas in the songwriting i guess so is there is it usually you alone first and then bringing it to a band to the band or is there any pattern usually that that happens most of the time there, there are some songs like busy on the new record actually started with, with a drum beat that tito made and then the 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 verse the verse part was a guitar part that uh wesley had written and then uh like there, there's some stuff where like we'll, we'll jam it practice and then They'll they'll have a riff or a part or, or whatnot, and then I'll be like, I really like that, and then I'll 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 go back and then sit 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 down with the acoustic guitar again and and, and try to like to write like a vocal melodies and stuff. I feel like you 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 can't. It's it's hard to do like at band practice or whatnot while 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 everyone's just kind of like there standing around and stuff. So like you you have to kind of take that home and be like, oh, I like this riff or whatnot. I'm I'm gonna have to go home and sit and play it for a couple hours and <laughs> think about it or whatever. Nice. And then so that I imagine like so you guys are more of a riffs first, lyrics later type of band. I mean, there's all sorts of different. Yeah. I well, the way I I view the way I've interpreted Nathan's songwriting is he it's it's easier for him to generate lyrics and progressions simultaneously than it is for one of us to say here's this here's this riff and progression right over it. If that makes sense. Yes. And like for, for, for lyrics, I, I sort of write it completely separate from, from like the music usually. Like I just make notes on my phone when I, when I hear something or say something or, or just have a thought that I'm just like, I like how this is worded or something. I'll just like type it down on my phone. And then I have like a, I, I just like a go home and put it in a word document. And I have like a, I'll start to see like a pattern of, of like lines that go together and stuff and be like, this kind of sounds like a thing. And then I'll, I'll bring in like the, a riff or whatnot that we're working on and sort of, you know, tr- try to hum around and find, find like a vocal melody and then look down my sheet and be like, this kind of matches the mood of what I was talking about when I was 
had this sort of train of thought that, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it totally makes sense. That's yeah. great. Have you uh, thought about using an Excel spreadsheet as opposed to a Word document? I have not thought about it. Yeah, yeah, there, there is actually, sorry. Rivers Cuomo style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, There's another podcast amazing. called Song Exploder, Exploder yeah. that we, we like to listen to sometimes too, along with your podcast, which is awesome. Yeah, that, uh, that, that episode is like the best episode. Like when I heard that, I was like. That blew me away. That literally, yeah. I, I heard that like earlier this year and it was like, dang. Because I mean, to an extent, I feel like that that process that, that he describes is is kind of integrated by, by a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. like the the idea of like where you like sit sit down and r- write out a, a song on a napkin on one fateful night or whatever, I feel mm-hmm. like is kind of like a romanticized like <laughs> yes, totally. dream idea like I, I feel like if, if you really want to I mean there's like s- 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 songwriter songs that for like pop stars like Haiti Perry and stuff they have like teams of people a lot of the mm-hmm. time yeah. and they and they really just like each individual line has been like broken down by like how the cadence is going to be and everything so so I mean I feel like if, if you really want to like have each line I mean I'm sure you could do do the uh fateful night napkin method mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh I, and i mean i i have had experiences where where uh i songs just kind of like i it came together that way but they're they're like few and far between and they're 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 hard to like just make happen like it's hard to just to, to just plan and be like i'm gonna write music tonight and sit down and then like write a song like that i feel like if if that happens it's more of like a once a year kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> you sit down and it's you're having an experience or something or you just I don't know. Nice. But but there's for sure, yeah, there's there's not there's there's not like one formula or one way, but I I think for the most part it, it, it happens over like time because you start working on the song and then you, you start to there's like lines that stick out, you're like, I cannot like sing this confidently and really like it anymore and then you just like take that line out and then put something else in and see if that feels right and <laughs> nice. So I was I, when I was doing my research, I was reading so, through some other interviews you guys had done, and I uh, talked about how the last record where there was a little bit of like lyrical coding that you were doing, and not trying to be too obvious. Was there anything you did different on this record? Um, it, it was probably a little bit more straightforward. On yeah, because when when we wrote Stovall, I, I still hadn't really talked to my family about the fact that I I didn't believe in God and wasn't going to church. And that's like a really, really like integral part of my family. Like that's like their, that's their whole life. That's like Mm -hmm. what they, that's their hobbies. That's their, I mean, they, I mean, the Mormon church especially is like a completely volunteer church. So Mm -hmm. there, I mean, there's no paid clergy and stuff. So my, I mean, my mom's like the Sunday school teacher and my dad's the employment specialist and like their, their whole life revolves around church. So it's like a really big thing to to them when they find out their son's going to hell and <laughs> and uh, so so in the first album I was just kind of or I guess in, in in Stovall there was like a little bit of a I wasn't I was a little bit less direct with how I felt about things and stuff and then also I would I would try to sort of I guess like mask things behind like poetic <laughs> whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh. I didn't. I didn't feel the need to do that anymore after this because I, I. I talked to my. I, uh, around the time that we put the split out, mm-hmm. I mean, the split was really, obviously, about that subject or about like 
leaving the, the, the church and everything. And, and then like the press that we got like around the split too also was like, I, I, I had spoken about that with like the, uh, vice noisy people and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it was like out there in the internet. So I was like, Oh, my, my family's going to read this now. So I better talk with them. So I, I <laughs> talked with my family about around that time and was like, this is how I feel. And, and, uh, I, I really like solidly, firmly, like, uh, don't agree with with like the church that I grew up in, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep. like uh, doctrinally and everything, and like uh, like it's not just like a some rebellious phase or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I spent a lot of time researching it out, and I really like so so when they want to talk about it, I I have I can I don't like uh I'm not afraid to anymore to just be like yeah I don't really uh I think you guys are ignorant and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So I, I, it was kind of more, uh, it, it, it was nice to be able to not have to sort of mask what my life was like or feel nervous about that anymore. And I, and, uh, be able to just kind of like say whatever I really wanted to say, I guess, on the new album on, on much love. Very, very cool. And so, uh, Along the way of that, did you notice anything? Like, I, I think there's like one of those funny things when I talk to, like when I'm producing a record and a record comes out where somebody stops veiling what they mean a little bit more and gets more awesome. Even on like on this podcast, we were talking to James from Beachside and he talked about like, you know, he's the only person I know of who found success with a band at 38 years old. And he's 38, man. Dude, he's That's the same awesome. age as I mean, like literally I, the first time I went and saw his old band who I loved uh, live. It was like the one of the first times I stole my parents' car. I was 16 and so was he. It's crazy to think. That's, that's crazy. LCD sound system, he, that that dude started really late too, didn't he? Yes, I, yes. He, he, I think he was yeah. 32 though. Oh, 32. Yeah. But so he was he talking. Huge. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, over I, those, the, the next several years after that. Also a great artist. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, one of my favorite bands. But so James talked about that. The change he made was that he started n- to not hide himself uh, as much. And he noticed that when he stopped veiling what he was saying, that more people identified with it. So we're obviously on your album release day. But have you noticed any change since you started being a little bit more less veiled in your uh, lyrics? I don't I don't know. If if I've like explicitly or like or like if there's been like an obvious change in that sort of thing, yeah, I think I think a lot of people, I think there's there's people that like critically listen to stuff mm-hmm. and, and try and, and like look up the lyrics and everything, and uh, and, and I'll, I'll I'll speak with those people a lot at shows and everything, and it's real obvious like who who does that and everything, and I'm sure I, I think probably maybe after we go on tour and stuff and in the months to come I've, I've had like a few people hit me up on Facebook and uh, especially people who were re- religious in the past and have sort of been moving away from that and then we're in a, we're in a similar situation where they they didn't feel com- completely comfortable with discussing it openly or whatever they, they'll be like they'll they seem to have like a like a s- special sort of relation to the music i guess or whatnot there was still even in stovall there uh, there was some like there were some songs and and themes that were discussed that i didn't really have to mask and stuff so i don't know if Mm. there's if there if it's like a really like night and day difference or whatever but i think it's like it is it it it, at least like a gradual difference (laughs) i don't know nice 
So it is your release day, uh, happy release day. Was there anything you guys wanted to do different from Stovall? I think it was like a pretty cool thing that you guys like released that record on your own and you seem to get a lot of, like every band I know was, like the way I found you guys was other bands being like, this is the band you gotta listen to. These guys are awesome, these guys are awesome. And you know, then eventually it wears you down and you go, okay, I gotta listen to that band. I, that's, I feel like yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. I feel like you guys got a lot of traction for a self-released uh, record off this. Uh, was there anything you were looking to improve upon, do different on this new record? I would say I think the one thing for me, at least, was I wanted to properly roll out the record. When we did Stovall, um, we we had announced a release date, but then factoring to uh, the amount of time or how picky we are with mixing. Mm. So... We were like, oh shit, we <laughs> we we have to release it because we said we're going to release it, and now we're taking forever mixing and like, so we really rushed it, and we only released like one song with a video, maybe like three or four weeks before Soval came out. So I didn't feel like we got like a proper album rollout. Mm. So now that we were with Side One on this, we kind of got to do that <laughs> a lot better, and it was awesome. Yeah, I, I feel like musically too, we we uh. We wanted to integrate. I, I I feel like, or I don't know. If, I don't know e- even if it, like every person in the band would would have the same response to this, <laughs> because we we all still have like our influences are all like not not the same or whatever. But I mean, I I felt sort of at like when I listen back to Stovall, I'm like it, it's it feels sort of like. Manchester Orchestra 2.0 to me <laughs> and, and 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 a lot of the songs have like real like sort of a simple like straightforward there's it's it's like a in like the same sort of chords and and we wanted to experiment with like integrating it like our other influences too and especially adding more of like a noise element like our our favorite thing to do at practice is just to like make noise and mess around with pedals and try to make weird squeals and stuff and it was it was cool to be able to try to like i mean we 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 had a lot more time to spend in the studio too this time because we actually had a budget to like pay Trav. I mean, we recorded with Trav again, who, who, who did Stovall too, but we had a lot more time in the studio. And so we were able to just like play through a song five times and like, just literally just make noise on the guitar and like experiment with, with like trying to make noises and then like comp that together into like the coolest noises we were able to make and have that. And like, uh, whimper and and uh, roaches, but but like or the the fir- fir- first track on the album. Sorry, I can't talk. <laughs> have 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 like a noise track that just goes the whole time and stuff, mm. and that's a uh, that was really fun. Nice. Uh, maybe <laughs> to that... like to like try to like add more other influences in. I guess I don't know. So, so Travis, um, as a record producer, I have this theory that a person who does more than one record with a band usually can see more growth and see what's changed with the band than anybody else. Cause you've been basically looking at them from a microscope. Tell me about what you've seen different between Stovall to the uh, much love with microwave. That's a good question. I, I have never really tried to quantify uh, the way they approach the band. I think there's more intent now with the songwriting. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think they're aware of influences and the way things they want to sound, but maybe more importantly, what they would they don't want to sound like, you mm. know? Um, but as a band, they've just gotten so much tighter. And I've always been, I've always kind of been 
uh, hard on them when I see them live. You know, that, that's a, true, that's very job. honest. We can always oh, yeah. count on Trav to tell us when we suck. <laughs> no matter, we really appreciate. Even if people too. are like are like stage diving and going crazy and it's like a really fun energetic show like Trav is not afraid to be like yeah you guys fucked up oh sorry are you allowed to say bad words on this oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I mean I can't do something unless that's possible oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> He's like you. You guys played these songs well, and these songs you didn't play well. Like he, he's not, he's not tainted by a uh, crowd participation or anything. He, he listens, and and uh, that that's always a very, it's always awesome when he comes to shows because <laughs> we we know what we can improve on. Yeah, Jesse, I'm, I'm sure you know how it is. Like the older you get, the further back and closer to the mixing. No, oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> like and you know, you don't. And, yeah. uh, so I, I try to approach their shows just as the feedback that I would have wanted if I was in the band, you know, uh, and, um, 100%. and I think it's valuable. You guys yeah, have gotten no, so is. much tighter live over the years. So, yeah, we, we, th this, this last year, we, we like started to practice with a click and everything. Mm. And like, we, we've like made, uh, like as far as trying to perform, perform the songs better live, we always sort of, since we have sort of like a hardcore influence, sort of like screaming aesthetic to what whatever, like we've gotten away with being like speeding up 20 BPM between the beginning and end of a song live and stuff, just because we all get really into it or whatnot. But like this year we were like, oh, we're playing in front of 1500 people with the Wonder Years and stuff. We better like not, <laughs> who have never heard us. Like if, if you're playing in, in like a basement, then you, then people don't mind if you, if you just like play your songs at warp speed and stuff and everyone's really into it and stuff. But if you're playing with like a good sound system and stuff and people who have never heard you, you you're like, we better like play these songs, like how they're supposed to sound. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Trav, Trav influenced our decisions to, I guess, try to become more tight in that regard. <laughs> nice. Okay, so can you guys tell me, I feel like on any record there's either a, a great creative triumph where you couldn't figure out something or some great creative story of like when something clicked in the studio does anything come to mind with that i would say uh trash stains on stovall we we had nine songs done we did stovall and we're like well we gotta make one we got we need one more song to be a, a full length <laughs> and nathan had that riff and then at one point we had jammed and come up with that other chorus and we just that song like totally just came together like so naturally just with a couple acoustic guitars so I mean. yeah that that was really funny because that was totally to me like a filler sort of song that was just like kind of thrown together last minute oh and also <laughs> and, and, and people ended up like that ended up being like a favorite song on the record and stuff and i was like it was kind of a surprise because it's, it's kind of like it has pretty stupid lyrics about Dunkin' Donuts and gel bracelets and stuff. Well, the first, the first iteration of lyrics on that song talked about people seeing your underwear. <laughs> I don't remember that. It was I, like I your friends can see my underwear. No. <laughs> oh God! You changed I, that obviously. Well, yeah. See, that goes back to uh, you know realizing you can't live with things lyrics and taking them out over a period of time <laughs> i can't talk about underwear <laughs> anyways on on this There's record the, the new record mm -hmm. i think there were there's like maybe three songs that we just were 
distraught over for a while and we went through several iterations of like the endings or the instrumentation oh yeah dull we actually this record to to be completely honest we uh we we ended up doing a lot of stuff in the studio where we because we we didn't do we didn't record like uh demos and and like so to like hear the songs back recorded or, or whatnot and so we, we 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 got into the studio and like we, we were hearing back stuff for the first time and and like Dole for example we ended up speeding up the tempo 10 BPM in the studio which is pretty drastic because mm-hmm, yeah. it, it was it, it was originally like a sort of like slow swingy sort of uh, ballad kind of song and the, and then we were like we it should totally we should changed, speed it up yeah. and just add like a like a you know. Yeah, like and have, also, it, have it be like an upbeat, more upbeat song or whatnot. Yeah, Trav really pushed us to do full demos before we started tracking, but for whatever reason, we were like, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> we're good." <laughs> Did we get to the studio yeah. and we're like, "Yeah, you were totally right." Yeah, so, no, uh, that's Travis gets the the award of of uh, most patient <laughs> producer and engineer of the year because because we got into the studio and started doing things and we're like. We had already like tracked drums for like one or two songs and then went back and retracked drums because when we started to try to track other things, we're like, you know, this isn't the right tempo. And he's like, why didn't you guys do demos? Yeah. <laughs> like you would have known this if you would have done demos. And uh, but he was still he was still willing to put in all the time that we needed, which was a lot. He didn't fire us. <laughs> he didn't fire us. He didn't go get studio musicians to come and play. <laughs> didn't pull a big Donald Trump yelling fit. Yep. Um, it was for the good or good, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I always say is like uh, the end doesn't justify the means in many things, but records, no one cares how you got there as long as you get there. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you, I, I totally agree with that. If you, if you don't That's... get there, then they care why you fucked up so bad. Yeah. <laughs> We we were able to put enough time after we got into the studio to where like by the end we were proud of <laughs> of everything. We just should have been more prepared and done demos before. That that was one thing. I guess like as you it's it's weird to like you going back to the napkin thing, like there's so much stuff about being a band that you think is just like magically sort of works out in this sort of like it was fate kind of way, but mm-hmm. like there really are like there really are like specific like strategical things that help bands <laughs> and like doing demos and making sure you're prepared when you go into the studio is one of those things and that's in the future we will never go into the studio again without doing demos we were able to do it this time because Trav was so patient with us and everything was willing to like restart doing something retract the drums and stuff when we wanted to change a tempo 10 bpm and stuff but and we're, we were ultimately like happy with with everything and it was it was how we had hoped and how we had envisioned the songs to be but uh that was definitely something that we learned <laughs> got 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 to learn the got to learn those mistakes so um us at new noise creators were able to help you guys find a mastering engineer you guys ended up working with um John Declario can you tell us a little bit about that yeah well uh i uh so obviously i was telling you earlier i like i'm a big fan of the show and um, I kind of knew what you guys were all about and just sent an email. Well, we, we normally go uh, with Bill Henderson mm-hmm. at uh, Azimuth. And he's done he's been great. But in most of my projects, you know, I was just wanting to try something new, especially for something that was going to be a big deal for the band. Because this is their first, their, their debut LP on side one. Yes. And so 
you know, you guys on your list, uh, like you have everybody on there. So I figured, you know, why not shoot an email and see what they come up with? All right. Sorry. My dog's like going crazy. <laughs> it's cool, cool. I um, love dog cameos. My, 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 my dog makes cameos on the podcast all the time. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, I, I, you know, I sent the email to you guys and you guys are just like super, um, super into the idea. Got us the test master, did the blind test master up against Bill's and w- chose version A, which was John. And I was stoked about that because I knew who he was and I was excited to work with someone that was, you know, not just a mastering engineer, but a, a producer as well. And yeah. it, for me as, a, you know, someone that mixes, um, it's nice to be able to like bounce ideas off. Be like, hey, if there's anything wrong with this or you've seen anything blatantly, you know, out of whack, so to say. Um, let me know. And that didn't happen, but you know, the, the ability to have a blind test master and equally compare several different versions of the same song was really valuable. And I'm super happy with the final product. That's awesome. John was awesome too. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. I think you make a great point too. I think for mixers and producers, the mastering person giving you feedback is some of the best way to grow. Like for me, I've had Alan Douches all my life. Uh, being who masters my work and what he's given back to me is a lot of however good I've gotten to get. Yeah. Hmm. That's great. So we talked a little bit about the side one thing. One of the things I'm very convinced of with bands is no one under, it used to be a thing of like the label found you a certain way, da, 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 da. There's all these trips. No one understands how anybody gets signed anymore. Whenever I talk to younger bands. So could you tell me how you guys and side one dummy ended up hooking up? So when we put stove all out using uh, information from used formation, oh. uh, I was sending out too many emails to everybody I could possibly find. Like, Hey, we're this band. Check us out. If you're interested, like, Please review a record. Here it is. All this kind of stuff. One of those people was Brian at Alt Press. Ah. And he really dug the record. He didn't like the video that I had sent him. It was because the video kind of sucked. But, was it um, the trash scenes? It was the trash scenes. Oh, video. my God. That is a but, um, video. He really liked the record, <laughs> and he sent it to Jamie at Side One. Huh. So that was kind of where uh, Side One found out about us. And then Jamie hit us up, and like we just kind of – we were – hanging out and just shooting the shit with Jamie for forever before we even kind of got to the point of like, they should sign us. Maybe that was their intent all along. Mm-hmm. But um, for us, we're like, Oh, cool. We know someone at side one dummy, but uh, that was just the extent of it at that point. I think, I think you make a good point there though, that a lot of the time the relationship is just like one that's kind of like seeing where it goes, making sure that the band's not crazy or excessively stupid because you like their music but there's plenty of great bands that are really big problems and then it's like when you prove that you're cool you're hardworking, then they're like okay let's take this relationship to the next level yeah i think that's kind of how it went with us inside one we the first time we met them was at south by southwest uh two years ago i think well i mean we had obviously spoken before the first time we met them in like real life was uh, we met Jamie and Thomas at uh, South By, and they were kind enough to let us sleep on their floor with our super snoring uh, merch guy at the, at the time. <laughs> and uh, and that's that's quite a snore. I have a funny story about that. You can cut this if it's not appropriate for the podcast. I'm sure but, it's appropriate. Uh, so, uh, but you know, at, at South By Southwest, there's a lot of free booze, so I uh, participated in that heavily. And uh, that night, I woke up to myself 
inside the bathroom banging on the door to get out because I had dreamt that I got locked in the trailer and and thought no one could hear me. And then I kind of like woke up from that dream or whatever I was and was like, oh, I'm in I'm sitting on a bathtub right now. Was that in their the hotel room with Jamie and yeah. Thomas? Yeah, I, I don't even remember that, but I'm not surprised. I'm, like, I woke up the next morning and my hand was sore from banging up the door. Oh, but, man, uh, damn. Yeah. And they still signed us after that. So. <laughs> well, yeah, no, they were really cool. They are really cool. That, 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 that's very cool. Yeah, they're awesome folk. So part of this podcast yeah. is about giving bands, uh, you know, good information so everybody learns from anybody. Is there any advice that you guys can impart to the younger bands aside from to record demos? The, uh, okay, I, I don't know if this is factual or not, but this is my personal opinion because I we have some friends in bands that have talked about shopping their EP or record or whatever, and I say the worst thing a band can do on the DIY level is shop their record because – one, you're sitting there with either your last release just kind of dwindling and losing steam. And two, uh, if a label is interested, you have nothing to bargain with that label about because um, you haven't spent like the past year or whatever growing and building fans. And then three, the most uh, fun part about being in a band is the grind and just working hard and, and touring and putting music out and all that good stuff. So my advice would be don't shop your record, put it out and bust your ass. I love that. I feel like the, the main reason to be, be in a band or want to be in a band and, and, uh, write and play music is because you enjoy like writing and playing music. And I feel like, uh, if you're like, just write as many, write as much as you can and like try to, I mean, hopefully, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a band that signs to a label and stuff, you're gonna want to, you know, put out six full lengths and whatnot, anyways. And you're gonna end up writing a bunch of music, so you might as well like start right now, like writing as much as you can and stuff. Like I, I've, like you see a lot of bands that that write an EP and then they just kind of like tour around and play or like DIY tour around and and play play songs from the EP for like even like two years or whatnot. And, and and then like they, they still only have like six songs up on their band camp or whatnot like mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like if you just keep writing music and keep like releasing stuff then hopefully it's like a yeah training a muscle or whatever of, of, of songwriting and you learn those like you like learn whatever I don't know 10,000 hour rule that if you keep doing things hopefully you'll you'll improve improve your skills or whatnot at doing them. And uh, and that's the funnest thing, anyways, is is like just writing music in general. And regardless of if a label puts it out and 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 they and is it's pushed like that or whatever to to more people, then it's still like writing music is what it's about and recording it, re- regardless of of like where it where it gets you as a band because you're not really gonna make money as a band anyways. Like if yeah. you're not if you're not doing it because you want to like because you enjoy writing music and recording the music and playing the music and everything then then uh there really isn't that much out there <laughs> yeah I mean, even the, the biggest bands right now aren't making as much money as you would make it like a as at like a well-paying job i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah i i i mean exactly what nathan i think what nathan and i said kind of go coincide mm-hmm. but like if you're not writing or recording or releasing music and you're just hoping someone picks it up then like 
you're not having any fun playing in a band. You're just kind of, you know, playing the lottery a mm-hmm. lot and probably losing. Yes. Which sucks. So. No, I, I, another great point I think that was hidden in there. It's like the first few paragraphs of the book I just finished are, are, are really that the only bands I know that make great music are the ones who do it for themselves first. And then it just happens that other people like it, too. Yeah, I think that's super important because no matter what you do, there's going to be if you're trying to write something for someone else, there's just going to it's going to come through in the music somehow or some way. And it just has that. It's, <clears throat> excuse me just not as genuine as as the music that's written because someone just completely loves it 100 percent. so uh my last question is what's next well we've got those tours uh we're doing fest and pre-fest in october and then uh, the uh, the all get out tour in uh november nathan gets some shoulder surgery then we're going out with tiny moving parts and our friend tom lovejoy who plays in uh Forever came calling, is is gonna fill in on guitar. Very cool. And for and we'll we'll go out for two weeks with him, and then I won't be able to play guitar after the surgery for six weeks. So we'll probably start to look at booking things again in February, and hopefully we'll be going out on some more fun tours next year. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we will. We we don't know which ones yet. Well. I saw you guys when you were on tour with Somos, and I will say that you guys were extremely impressive live, so I think everybody should find you when you're out there, if they're near you, and go, go out and see it. And I love the new record, so um, I hope everybody checks it out. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the golden rule of the internet, that if you enjoy something you got for free, please tweet, Facebook, share, or tell your friends about it in whatever way you like to do that. Please check out Noise Creator's website and take a look around. We have tons of interviews, discographies, Spotify playlists from all the best producers out there on our service. If you are unsure about who your band should work with, we can help you get the best producer fit for your record. To keep up with us, follow at Noise Creators on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Tumblr, or Facebook. This podcast can also be found wherever podcasts are found, including iTunes and Stitcher. I'm your host, Jesse Cannon. I can be found on Twitter at Jesse Cannon or at jessecannon.com. Again, please help spread the word about this podcast and what Noise Creators does so we can keep this going. 